Blog Talk Radio. Time to get ready for a journey into the love of art and the art of love. Welcome to Slightly Askew with Nancy at Noon, the show that takes an honest look into the heart of all things that shape the fabric of your entire life. And now, here's Nancy. Hello, everyone. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. I'm Nancy Murdoch, and you are listening to episode number three. People have sent me some great questions this week that I'm going to have a lot of fun answering for you. If you have questions you want answered, I'll tell you how to make that happen a little bit later in the show. In episode number one, I answered an email from Scared Mama who asked me the best way to tell her parents she was pregnant. If you are pregnant and haven't told your parents or in-laws yet, you might want to go back and listen to that show. And if you are a parent, maybe you could learn a thing or two from this young woman in order to get closer to your own daughter. Anyway, Scared Mama wrote back to me this week. She said, Dear Nancy, I couldn't wait to hear your answer on the show because I was visiting my parents over the holidays and needed to tell them. I was really surprised with Mom's reaction to the baby, actually. I told Dad first, but I was so scared that I didn't show I was excited. He said he still loved me and it was okay, and then he went to bed. And then he came into my room in the middle of the night and was crying and gave me a hug and said we would get through it. It was like I had a deadly disease. So I was really sad about that. So then the next day, my sister and I went to my mom's, and I said I had some news, and she was like, Oh, no, you're getting married, aren't you? And had this super stressed look. And I'm like, oh, crap, this is going to be worse. So then I said, no, I wasn't getting married. And she brightened right up and was like, you're having a baby. And was all excited. And we both cried a little, but it was happy tears. She asked how I was feeling and if I'm eating properly and getting enough exercise. She wanted to know when the baby is due and if I have morning sickness and if there is anything she can do to help and that she wished she lived closer. She wanted to know if I had any names picked out. Mom was very supportive. And I told her dad's reaction, and she said it was probably because I didn't show I was happy about it, just like you said. So I went back to dad's and retold him the way mom suggested, which was pretty much like you suggested, being happy, and said, Dustin and I were really excited, and I laid out my plan for him so he knew I wasn't dropping out of school, etc. A little while ago, dad bought me some baby clothes, so I think he's getting more used to the idea. I told Grandma on the phone, and she asked if I had gotten married, LOL. I said no. She said I should. And I said, it's a little late. I'm already pregnant, LOL. Mom talked to her after that, and it wasn't because of the Bible. She just wanted to make sure I was protected legally. But we are common law anyways, and neither of us owns anything, LOL. So we would both be just as poor if we split up. I find that with a lot of guys, though, when you say you're pregnant, they take a step back, like it's contagious. It was so funny, and OMG, this made me mad. After I had made my Facebook announcement about it, people were calling Dad to congratulate him. What the fuck? What did he do? Nothing. I'm growing it, and they didn't even comment on my post to congratulate me as well. Just call Dad. 
If any extended person should be congratulated, it should be mom because she made me. It's a very confusing situation as to why dad has anything to do with this. I feel like a lot of people still think I'm young. My friends at school are all concerned for me, but they are 18 and 19, so I think they are looking at it as if I were their age. But I'm not really concerned about anything. I know Dustin will be a super good dad, and I love kids, and I know I will be fine. Money is always an issue, but it's an issue all through life, so it's all good. I think Grandma is worried that Dustin will leave me because of the baby. And then now I have a baby and no support and no money. But honestly, he is more excited about it than I am. Always worried about what I can eat and do and when our appointments are and looking into prenatal classes. So I'm not worried. And even if he did leave, I'd figure it out. I think Grandma thinks we are more protected if we are married, and that is not always the case. Talk to you again soon. Signed, Millie, a.k.a. Scared Mama. That is excellent news, Millie. Thanks for letting us know how it went. I'm glad your dad is coming around and the rest of your family is being supported, or at least somewhat. I think they're all out for your own well-being, and, you know, they just show it in a different way. It's good to know you're not stressed about it anymore and you're enjoying your pregnancy. That will do wonders for birthing a happy, healthy baby. I don't know why people are congratulating your dad. The universe works in strange ways that we will probably never fully understand. As you predicted, he wasn't very confident about the whole thing to begin with. Maybe he needs the positive accolades more than you do. All those people are telling him, Hey, this is very cool. You get to be a proud grandfather. It's okay. He's on his own journey and you are on yours. It's not your job to make your dad or anyone feel better. It's enough work for all of us to manage our own emotions. When we speak from our truth, from a place of confidence, there is a certain energy about us that radiates our inner conviction and strength to others. You know, it makes it harder for people to mess with us when we're confident and strong. I'm sure everyone has experienced it at some point in their lives. It's a feeling that is so solid and grounded. This is a place we need to come from whenever we speak to anyone about anything, especially things that are important to us. So thank you very much for sharing, Millie. For anyone who has questions and can't wait to have them answered on air, I have an email consultation service where I respond quickly. I'll tell you more about that later in the show. The first question for today is from Irritated Allie. Dear Nancy, how do I not let someone else affect me? Their actions, their noises. How do I ensure that my sister not finishing her essay doesn't affect me? If my boyfriend has a bad day, how can I not let that affect me? I need total silence. I get angry and stare at that noise and can't focus on something else. How do I ensure that the random person next to me doesn't affect me? How do I bubble myself? In the library, there are no talking zones, but someone is always talking. I give them the evil silencer stare, but it doesn't work. I try shushing them, but they don't shush, and they or they'd shush for five minutes and start up again. I get up and move, but it happens constantly, not just once or twice. I feel rage inside and have to leave because it gets to that level. My only answer is to isolate myself. I can't stand someone eating beside me or slurping his coffee or chewing his gum with his mouth open. I can't be around people. I can't live like this anymore. Signed, Irritated Allie. I know exactly what you mean, Allie, and how exasperatingly irritating it can be. I am so sorry that you are experiencing annoyances to the point that it is disrupting your studies and your ability to have a pleasurable experience when you're around other people. 
problem is, people are always going to do irritating things whether we like it or not. Even if you're in a no-talk zone, people are going to talk, as you are very well aware. We can't change them. But I have a few suggestions that may help. Sometimes, not always, but in some cases, it's helpful to get to the core of what caused this condition in the first place. Understanding brings awareness. And once we have awareness, healing is just a breath away, literally a breath. Breath is so powerful. We can breathe these irritants out of our lives. Annoyances often stem from being shaken out of your safe zone or being too stuck in your comfort zone. We all have habits and patterns that make us feel safe. It sounds like any type of minor disturbance makes you feel unsafe. When I say unsafe, I don't mean that your life is in danger and you're afraid of being harmed. It's not at that level. But if this continues, it could very easily get to that level. So let's deal with it before it gets that far. You are disturbed when your sister doesn't finish her schoolwork and when you can't study peacefully, to the point where you are enraged. And when the significant male figure in your life, your boyfriend, is in a bad mood, you are adversely affected. I'm guessing your boyfriend is a lot like your dad. It may sound cliche, but relationships are opportunities to heal so that we can grow. And more times than not, the guys we fall in love with uh, generally represent something about our relationship with our dad that was left unresolved. Unresolved emotional issues result in some type of dis-ease or disturbance later in life. I think your current situation stems from something in your childhood. Maybe you were taught to honor other people, to eat with proper etiquette, to respect the rules of being in a public place. All those things made you feel peaceful and quiet inside. And I'm guessing your learning environment was also peaceful until it was disturbed. Here's the piece of the puzzle you will have to solve. And when you do, you will find great relief. Somehow, something your dad did shattered your peace. And it had to do with school. Or when you and your sister were studying or doing your reports or essays. Maybe that was a really blissful time for you. You felt safe and happy doing your homework. Somehow or other, your dad created a disturbance in your routine. Or your values clashed with his values. They could be any values like proper table manners, his beliefs about education, how he valued you as a student, as a daughter, how he treated you and your sister. Did your dad interrupt your studies in some way? It didn't have to be an interruption in a negative way. The people chewing gum and talking in the library recently probably weren't doing it to intentionally bug you. They were probably oblivious to your existence and your presence entirely. No offense. But most people are in their own worlds and not really paying attention to what's going on around them, where they are, or who else is in the vicinity. From what I understand, in the way that you stated your question, they weren't maliciously talking about you or making faces and pointing at you while they crunched their chips. So whatever your dad did, it wasn't necessarily malicious. But it could have been, since you said you are affected by your boyfriend's bad mood, although that may be totally unrelated and have more to do with being an empath where you pick up other people's energy. But maybe it was, you know, maybe there was something passive aggressive that your dad did to interrupt your your peaceful school time. As a child, you probably didn't have the tools or vocabulary and maybe even the permission to address the issue in a healthy manner. Did you ever run to your room so angry you just cried? That was your protective bubble, your safe zone. Look back to the times you isolated yourself and try to remember why. What were you feeling during those times? Why did you feel unsafe? 
Our experiences come and go, but our emotional reactions remain locked in our cell tissues forever or until we resolve them. Like Miguel Reese says, we need to open the wounds, clean out the poison, then heal it back up again. Until we clean out the emotional wounds, we will continue to attract people and situations in our lives that play out those experiences we've buried. But people wear different costumes and have different bodies, but it's the same emotional wound being lived out over and over and over again. The way to clean out the wound is to bring it into conscious awareness. Some type of disturbance shattered that peace for you and made you feel unsafe. It's your job to find out exactly what it was. I remember many, many years ago, I was waiting for a friend who was in an interview. He was going to be uh, he was going to be a couple hours, so I went to the local library and, and sat in the, in the quiet section and attempted to read a book. The people around me were moving, coughing, chit-chatting. I read the same sentence over and over and over and over again and never did know what it said. I eventually gave up, closed the book, and just sat there. A man who was sitting across from me said that if I learned to meditate, I would be able to read without being distracted by outside noises. I was too irritated to appreciate his wisdom at that time, but I remember him being very calm with a serene air about him, like nothing ever disturbed him. It wasn't until years later that I actually started to meditate. One spring day, I was meditating in my bedroom with the window open, and I could hear the birds chirp. It sounded nice. Then a big transport went by, then a police car with a siren blaring, then normal traffic. I was distracted by every noise, and I didn't hear the sweet sound of the birds chirping anymore. Until something in me realized this was just the symphony. It wasn't Mozart or Beethoven. It was a universal symphony of life where all sorts of different instruments played their sounds together. When I saw it as a symphony, I didn't see them as random sounds interfering with the sweet melody of the chirping birds anymore. It was all about perspective. Your question isn't, how can I see it differently? That'd be easy. The symphony you're listening to is made up of gum chewing, potato chip crunching, drink slurping, and a chorus of talking and shushing. How do you not let that affect you? Well, first off, it's affecting you because you are focused on it. What you focus on expands. You intentionally or unintentionally create more of it. If you are focused on disturbance, you create more disturbances, more talkers, gum chewers, dog barking, and people eating food in all sorts of noisy ways. If you focus on something outside yourself, you have given your power away to all those outside forces that are affecting you. They chomp and chew, your blood pressure rises. Their behavior isn't affecting them, it's affecting you. Call back your power, woman. Don't let anyone else dictate how you get to feel. You are the only one who gets to choose how you feel. Right now you are choosing to feel irritated and angry, which is snowballing into making you want to isolate yourself from the world. The answer isn't isolation, it's meditation. That's probably not the answer you wanted to hear because it's a skill that requires time, dedication, and discipline. It's not a quick fix solution that's going to make people stop behaving badly in public places or a magic pill that's going to make you not hear them. But it's a lasting solution, and I guarantee that once you start practicing on a regular basis, you will notice a change in yourself and maybe even the people around you. It's the self-bubble you're looking for. It's the only self-bubble that actually works long-term. Meditation helps you focus on what you want to focus on. It brings you clarity of mind and singleness of purpose. It helps you develop peace and serenity inside where you need it. When you are at peace, it doesn't matter what kind of chaos is going on around you, you will not be affected by it. 
you gain back your power to choose where you want to focus, on the distractions or on your studies, and how you want to feel, irritated or blissful. It helps you develop your ability to accept all people and situations. One misconception about meditation is that it takes years to reap any benefits from it. That is so not true. You can feel the difference immediately after your first meditation. And it just keeps getting better and better after that. Meditation has many layers of benefits. Yogis who have meditated for 20 or 30,000 hours are obviously going to have deeper, more profound benefits. It's like learning any new skill. It requires practice to get good at it. And it's not hard. It just takes a little bit of effort. Right now, you are living outside yourself. Meditation helps you get grounded and back into your own skin. You will no longer be a victim to your boyfriend's bad day. You will be connected to your own essence, your own truth, the way you want to feel. You can notice other people's bad mood if you choose to, but it won't affect you. The more you practice, the more grounded you will be in your own authentic self. It won't matter what anyone does or says. It will take something super-duper major to knock you off your game. Now, for some immediate relief to help you get through your studies and your daily life, here are a few other things that will also work. Deep breathing. When you first start noticing the distractions, stop whatever you are doing and do slow, deep breathing for two minutes. Belly breathing. According to all the enlightened masters, deep breathing heals all. Focus on your breath coming in and going out. This will bring you back to center. It will slow down the cortisol that is about to start coursing through your body, sending you into fight-flight. If you can't focus on your breath, try intentionally focusing on the chewing or the talking. Anything can lead you into meditation. So one day there was this man who went to sit in a cave by the ocean to meditate. He was distracted by the sounds of nature around him. As night came, the waves got bigger and bigger, louder and louder, distracting him more and more. So he decided to focus on the sound of the waves. They crashed and the wind howled. In the middle of the night, he was swept away by them. He became part of them. He couldn't tell the difference between himself and the waves. When morning came, he found himself sitting in the cave in the same position as he had entered it the night before. The waves had subsided and he wasn't even wet. We can use anything to lead us into meditation, even the sounds that are disturbing you. Isolation is the feeling of exclusion. Meditation is the path to inclusion. Right now you are feeling separate from the students who are making noises. You are feeling separate from your distractions. When we realize that everything, literally everything, comes from our own minds, we begin to understand that there is no separation or division. It's all an illusion. When you can somehow see that those noises, all sounds, all disturbances are part of you, like the union of the waves and the man, it won't bother you anymore. Have you ever been so still you can hear and feel your own heartbeat? The sound is generated from inside your own mind. Yes, it's coming from your body, but you are hearing it because you are focused on it. Same with the sounds of the chewing of the gum and the talking and all the other disturbances. They are coming from within your own mind, even though they appear to have an external source. Sending out the death glare is a fight Light reaction, and it doesn't work, as you clearly know. It's a passive-aggressive body language that's coming right back at you from the people you're glaring at. Learn to let it go and practice focusing on things that are important to you. Life is filled with little irritants. If we let them eat up all of our life force energy, we will have very little left over for the things that really matter to us. My next suggestion is to identify exactly what is bothering you. Is it really about other people chewing? 
or is it some underlying issue inside that is unresolved? Often the reason we find other people annoying is because it reflects back to us something we don't like about ourselves. We don't want to believe that's who we are, and we certainly don't think that we ever exhibit that type of behavior. But there is something there that is hitting too close to home for you. Find out what it is. So, irritated Allie, if you decide to take my advice and start a meditation practice, be sure to let me know if there's any way I can help. Okay, we're going to take a real short break and be back for the next question. If you have questions about love, life, relationships, happiness, health, and well-being, please email them to me at nancy at nancyatnoon.com. And maybe yours will be the ones chosen to be answered on air. If you need answers now, I provide a personal and private email consultation service. For details, please visit the Ask Nancy page on my website, nancyatnoon.com. And now it's time for another Daily Ditty. Hey, it's Haley, and it's time for your fun facts of the day. So, here's a good one. I love this. I think it's so cute. Sea otters hold hands when they sleep to keep from drifting apart. When you were born, you were, for a moment, the youngest person on Earth. So we were all very special at one minuscule moment. The elements that we are composed of were formed in the interiors of collapsing stars. So we are all made of stardust. Isn't that magical? Macaques in Japan, which is a type of monkey, use coins to buy vending machine snacks. So they're pretty smart. In Norway, a penguin was knighted. A flamingo can only eat when its head is upside down. And the voices of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse got married in real life. I think that's super cute. And this is a nice one, but also kind of sad. A uh, prison in Washington pairs up death row shelter caps with select inmates as a part of rehabilitation program. It seems to be a pretty wonderful thing for both the inmates and the cats. That's really sweet. Sad that they're both on death row, but... It's sweet that they get to be together. Gen 2 penguins propose to their life mates with a pebble, and they spend days picking out the right one. And when playing with female puppies, male puppies will often let them win, even if they have a physical advantage. That's sweet. Cows can sleep standing up, but they can only dream when they're lying down. The sentence, the quick brown fox jumps over a lazy dog, uses every letter in the alphabet. Does it actually? Oh, it does. Ha! Alligators can live up to 100 years, and a single elephant tooth can weigh as much as 9 pounds. Well, those have been your fun facts of the day. All right, we are back, and I'm ready to answer the second question of today. Dear Nancy, I hope my question is appropriate. I was raised in a very conservative home and town, and everyone here is churched. I haven't attended a church service in nearly two years. I am by far the happiest, most connected, and spiritually aware that I have ever been. My question is, what do I tell people when they ask me that uncomfortable question about where I attend church or why I do not? Thank you and much love. Signed, Angela from Austin. Hello, Angela from Austin. I love your question. It's specific to people who ask you about church, but it covers the difficulty we all encounter for every uncomfortable question people ask us in life in all areas. Friends, family, acquaintances, and even total strangers ask us things that are none of their damn business. 
But being women and being raised to be polite to everyone, we often tend to ignore our own needs, the need for personal privacy. And we feel obligated to answer their questions because it's the polite thing to do. Well, it may be the polite thing to do, but no matter how we answer those uncomfortable questions, it doesn't leave us feeling better because by answering, we've broken a trust with ourselves. We went against what we know to be in our best interest. We shared personal and private information that we did not want to share. You can never feel good when you break a trust with yourself. The thing is, at first glance, we don't always recognize these questions as a personal breach of self-trust. Why not? Because the general topic is so mainstream public. Why shouldn't you answer a question about church? Because you decided this information is personal and private to you and you don't want to share it with that person. Otherwise, the question wouldn't be uncomfortable, would it? If someone asked you what you had for lunch today, you might be glad to share your menu with them. But someone who is on a diet and very conscious of their weight, or someone who didn't have enough food or money to eat lunch today, might feel they have been put in a very uncomfortable position by that question because of the state of their finances or their intention to lose weight. It's personal and private to them. Every question could potentially be uncomfortable for someone. And the person asking doesn't live inside your head, so they have no way of knowing, unless you tell them. So, if you are feeling uncomfortable by a question being asked of you, take a step back and ask yourself, why? What buttons are being pushed? Do you feel you will be judged, ridiculed, made to feel like you are doing wrong, a sinner? Do you feel threatened in some way? Like I told Irritated Allie, we can't change other people. It's up to us to decide how we are going to respond to all situations. The next thing to do is to look at the judgments you harbor within yourself about yourself and others. Everything is reflection of our own state of being, providing us the opportunity to move beyond our own limitations. Most of us have a difficult time saying, it's none of your damn business. And most of the time, there's no call to be that rude. Being a politician and avoiding the question altogether gets tiring. So how about saying something like, I appreciate your interest in the way I practice my faith, or in my dietary choices, or the way I'm raising my child, or the man I've chosen as my life partner. But this topic is personal and private to me. You probably have things in your own life that you don't want to share with others, so I know you will understand. If you want to know why I'm so happy, connected, and spiritually aware, I'd love to tell you all about it sometime. Responding like that is going to take a little courage at the beginning. It's hard to stand up for ourselves when we've been taught to please everyone else first. But each time you do it, it becomes easier. Then one day you realize how much you've grown. The questions no longer feel uncomfortable. Try it and let me know how it goes. That's all we have time for in this episode. Thank you, Millie, Allie, and Angela. You've given us all lots to think about. If you have questions, send them to me at nancy at nancyatnoon.com and maybe yours will be chosen to be answered on air. Until next time, keep it real. Thanks for joining us again on Slightly Askew with Nancy at Noon. We've enjoyed your company and hope it's been fun for you too. If you like what you're hearing, please share us with your friends and family because, well, they might like us too. You can find us online at nancyatnoon.com. We've got fascinating blog posts, recipes, self-help books, weight loss CDs, coaching programs, art, jewelry, and all kinds of other cool stuff. Go ahead and check us out. Nancy at Noon.com. You'll be glad you did.